It's 11 minutes before 7 o'clock, and you are listening to Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, April 7th, 2022. I'm Catherine Rose with Raven News. The Sitka Sound Sacro Herring Fishery is now open 10 hours a day until further notice. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game announced that beginning on Wednesday, the fishery would be open from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. in Deep Inlet and Alakitna Bay and between Pavarotny Point and Aspid Cape. The fisheries open nearly every day for the last week and a half. Fish and game biologists estimate that as of Tuesday, saners had caught around 19,000 tons of herring. The subsistence harvest of herring roe on branches is also now in full swing. During aerial surveys on Wednesday morning, fish and game staff observed nearly six miles of herring spawn, including active spawning in the Eastern Bay, Siganaka Islands, Apple and Cassiana Islands, Whiting Harbor, and along the road system. The department has reported 50 cumulative miles of spawn to date. On Wednesday morning, Sitka Tribe of Alaska announced that its Resource Protection Department would make herring eggs available for pickup for all tribal citizens as long as supplies are available. The company that owns a tugboat that crashed around 18 miles north of Sitka last month now estimates that over 5,000 gallons of diesel fuel were spilled into the ocean as a result of the accident. The Western Mariner was towing an Alaska Marine Lines barge in Neva Strait early on the morning of March 21st when a steering failure caused the two vessels to collide and pushed the tugboat onto the shoreline. The wreck caused a diesel spill leading to a coordinated response from multiple state and federal agencies and a cleanup effort that is ongoing. The Western Mariner can hold around 50,000 gallons of diesel, but the Western Towboat Company estimates that the boat was only holding around 43,000 gallons of fuel when it crashed. A situation report published by the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation on Tuesday reported that salvage crews had recovered around 33,000 gallons of fuel directly from the boat, and a mix of oil and water recovered by skimmers yielded an additional 4,000 gallons of oil. The boat was towed back to Sitka on March 29th and remains moored at the Samson Tug and Barge dock. Efforts to assess the nearby environmental impacts are ongoing, with crews flushing beaches with water as recently as Tuesday. The DEC reports that shoreline monitoring will continue in the coming weeks. The city of Juneau is considering formally severing its relationship with Russia. Juno and the Russian Far East city of Vladivostok have been sister cities since October of 1991, but in recent years, the relationship has been largely dormant. On Monday night, the Juno Assembly discussed dropping its ties because of Russian President Vladimir Putin's unprovoked war in Ukraine. KTOO's Jeremy Shea reports. Since the sister city agreement was signed, locals have hosted visitors from Vladivostok, Students from Vladivostok qualify for in-state tuition at University of Alaska schools. And Juno residents have gone there on educational, business, and cultural exchanges. Like in 2018, when the Alaska String Band toured over there with support from the U.S. State Department. The U.S. Consulate organized this July 4th concert in Vladivostok. The band's gender-swapped lyrics of the Beatles song haven't aged well. On Monday, the Juno Assembly was one vote short of suspending the sister city relationship. Deputy Mayor Maria Gladyshevsky led the push. She said she felt like the Assembly had to do something 
between the governor calling on cities to sever these ties, hearing the Ukrainian president during the Grammys, and reading tweets from former U.S. ambassador to Russia, Mike McFall. Obviously, this is not going to end the war in Ukraine. Um, It's a pebble. And if it helps a few people in Vladivostok think twice about what's happening in Ukraine, and if they talk to their friends about it and think twice about it, perhaps eventually they could be moved to action. Gladyshevsky's resolution also would have condemned Russian President Vladimir Putin and voiced support for Ukraine and its people. The assembly voted the resolution down, four to five. Some members said suspending the sister city status defeated the purpose of the arrangement in the first place to promote peace and prosperity through citizen diplomacy. Here's Assemblymember Barbara Wahla Gadak Blake. This is meant to bridge and build connection with our sister cities in a way that allows for two-way communication. Suspending that and saying we're no longer going to communicate with you um, cancels our ability to do that and also cancels their ability to communicate back to us. The Russian government has criminalized free speech about the war and used state media to spread false narratives about it. That's part of why Sister Cities International, the nonprofit that facilitates these relationships, has also urged against cutting these ties. Over the years, several elements of the original Sister City Agreement have been neglected. It calls for at least one annual official visit from each city to the other, and a free flow of information and ideas between residents. The agreement says each city will allow freedom of communication and association in Sister City activities, which now seems impossible in Putin's Russia. Assemblymember Alicia Hughes-Scandies said the public emailed support and opposition. But some of the emails we received in favor of this resolution shocked me and only convinced me that voting against this would be the right thing to do. They were extreme in their characterization of the Russians as a people, and it reminded me of exactly what I don't want us to do, which is to go into a sort of red scare situation. After the resolution failed, the Assembly asked Mayor Beth Weldon to send a letter to her counterpart in Vladivostok that conveys the Assembly's condemnation of Putin and the war and the Assembly's support for Ukraine. Gladyshevsky said she hopes the discussion renews interest in Juno's Sister Cities Committee. Our relationships with our sister cities wax and wane depending on who's on that committee. It was super strong in the early 90s. There were people super interested in Vladivostok. As you heard, um, people, Vladivostokians, if that's a word, came to Juneau. Um, and, and it's waned in, in recent years. It, it just has. So um, this, ironically, could reinvigorate that. And I hope that it does. For several months, the volunteer committee responsible for nurturing relationships between Juno and its sister cities hasn't had enough members to operate. Four out of the seven seats on the committee are vacant. Residents can apply to be members on the boards and committees page of the city's website, juno.org. In Juno, I'm Jeremy Shea. Skagway's been without a Division of Motor Vehicles office since mid-February. With a few options for nearby service in the summer cruise season scheduled to begin later this month, residents and tour companies are struggling to get licensed before the season starts. KHNS's Mike Swayze reports. The Skagway DMV office, located inside the Public Safety Building on State Street, is typically a full-service facility. You can get a real ID, vehicle titles, plates, registration, commercial services, and more. But the office has been closed since mid-February, when the lone worker left to pursue a different career path. Skagway resident Deb Betcher says she realized she needed a new driver's license when she filled out her post office box renewal. And I thought, oh my gosh, two days before my license expires. So I went right down to DMV and found out that we don't have a person here anymore. 
If you're at least 68 years old, you'll need an eye test before being issued a new license in Alaska. Without the DMV office, there's no place in town to get one. Can I go to the clinic and get it done? Nope. I was told I couldn't. She contemplated a trip to Haines, but she learned that would require an overnight stay. Then she considered Juneau, but with a round-trip flight that cost nearly $400, plus the cost of a cab to the optometrist, she would have had to spend hundreds of dollars and an entire day. Fortunately for Betcher, a traveling optometrist came to town and performed her test. Unfortunately, the form they provided her wasn't accepted by the state DMV website. That's the fallback option for places without a DMV. Jeremy Jansen helps manage Temsco helicopters in Skagway. The company employs several bus drivers to get tourists from cruise ships to the main office to catch their flights. He says three of their employees needed to go to the DMV to complete paperwork for their commercial driver's licenses. Without an option in Skagway this month, the company got creative. We had to use a helicopter to get our employees to Haines to use the DMV in Haines. Luckily, just we have the resources as an aviation company to, to have that option. Jansen said registering for an appointment through the website was easy enough, but when he went to contact the office in Haines for more information, he couldn't reach anyone by phone or email. It was uh, difficult to get a hold of the local Haines DMV representative ahead of time, but just um, once we had somebody just go in, they were extremely helpful. But many residents and businesses in Skagway don't have people to help in Haines. Skagway's DMV works on a contract basis with the state. The position includes DMV duties and police clerk duties and is paid for by the municipality of Skagway. Police Chief J.J. Reddick is part of the hiring committee. He says it takes time to fill a governmental position. I had five total applicants, so obviously I had to run it for at least two weeks. Then I started the, the background checks on the five people so that I could at least rule anybody out that wouldn't pass a background check. And then I set up interviews. Reddick says the virtual training process could take weeks or even months before the new representative is up to speed and the office is back to operating at full capacity. In the meantime, the voicemail at the Skagway DMV office is turned off and no one will likely answer the phone. If people stop by, they'll be directed to the state website or the Haines or Juno offices. Reddick is encouraging people to call the state DMV to lodge complaints. As they get more phone calls, they'll probably push more for trying to help get just a, a temporary person to come down at least for a week, two weeks. The first cruise ship is scheduled to arrive in Skagway on April 26th. Reporting from Skagway, I'm Mike Swayze. And that's it for Raven News. This is Morning Edition on Raven Radio K.